0: Good morning, good afternoon or good evening, depending on when you're seeing this edition of Hypnosis Week. As many of you may already know, my name by birth is Alex William Smith, but I'm better known uh, in the hypnosis and uh, my magic industry is under the stage name Jonathan royal and it's my great pleasure this week to have a guest who as we record this on the 13th of january 2020 i say that because you might be seeing this in a decade's time but if you look around that time period and i hope it continues for him on google you'll see that he's been getting an awful lot of national uh newspaper magazine internet radio and television exposure For his current, I'm going to say his current niche, he may explain this is something he's done for ages and only just got publicity with, but we'll let him tell us about that in a minute, of treating people who've got addictions to box sets and uh, binge TV. So it may not be a physical box set. It could be the fact you can get the whole series on Netflix. Um, A little bit I can tell you in advance is that Adam, uh, 23 years ago, um no not 23 years ago 18 years ago at the age of 23 set up a public relations company called the relations group that's still running uh and as you'll see if you go and search out their website deal with household name brands and companies people you will have heard of uh even if you're not in england you'll have heard of a lot of these companies okay so we're talking the real deals not some mickey mouse outfit we're talking real public relations uh, kind of like max clifford but without the pedophile action <laughs> um, and uh, in more recent years he's established himself as the Phobia guru as you can see on phobiaguru.com and lots of other areas uh, so welcome to the show adam uh, it's great to have you here
1: thank you for the invite
0: so yeah, let's jump in right at the beginning. Most recently, I've seen you popping up all over the media with this uh, curing people's addictions to uh, binge TV and boxers. Can you tell us how that came about?
1: Yeah, I mean, it came about. One of my brands is, you mentioned Phobia Guru. I also have a brand called Addiction Experts. And um, what tends to happen, because I get you know quite a lot of media coverage, my websites rank quite highly. And what tends to happen is that when journalists want to do a story on an unusual addiction, they tend to reach out to me. So I was featured all over the BBC last year on gaming disorder. The World Health Organization deemed it to be an actual condition rather than just people playing too much games. Um, And one a, a journalist from the Telegraph got in contact with me because of my work on gaming disorder and said, you haven't worked with anyone watching too much TV, like box sets and things like that. And although I'd only worked with three clients last year, which I mean they were and we were talking like seven eight nine hours worth of tv pretty much every single day so I had a relatively few number of clients but I could talk without obviously revealing the the client's name still respecting confidentiality but some of the reasons why they were watching too too much tv and it wasn't because the content on Netflix was so great it was because they it offered the ability for them not to think about their problems it was being used as a form of self-medication it was a coping strategy so because i i had some genuine clients that i could talk about that they wrote an article and it was a fairly big article page three of the daily telegraph so it's quite a big article and then various news outlets started contacting me because weirdly i i would have thought you know many addiction experts would have covered this before because it's not particularly a, a new thing but i think it because it was came into the media the day after the golden globes when netflix had won tons of award it kind of hit the timing quite right and then i was on jeremy vine and i was on numerous bbc um radio channels and and this kind of thing so uh, it's weird because although i'm in the media a lot for gaming disorder and tv addictions that's such a small percentage of the clients that i work with but as you know the media can distort a perception and then people see things as they've seen it through the media rather than you know what you're actually doing so although i've done relatively few clients i'm kind of seen as an authority in that particular area whereas the vast majority of my hypnosis clients tend to be uh, weight loss phobias and your more standard addictions like cocaine for example okay. but that's not newsy as far as the media is concerned
0: at the moment unless something must happen with a celebrity i guess suddenly confessing Please. their life's been screwed up with cocaine and you were perhaps fortunate enough to, through your PR company, jump on and and harness that. I know you said you found it surprising no one had uh, done the binge TV thing in the media before, but I think, um, and what's your view on this, because obviously having set up a PR company, you you see things somewhat differently than the average hypnotherapist will, who doesn't have that kind of background. They probably have thought of it, and there probably are therapists out there that are watching this now kicking themselves, thinking – I've seen loads of bloody clients like that um what would you say to people who perhaps have had what might be deemed to them they might take it as granted because they get a load of clients like that but could be deemed newsworthy because it's out of the ordinary um now obviously i know here the answer should be contact the relations group and i would say fork out some money but if you were <laughs> prepared to take them on i noticed that you you put you your balls on the line and um offer a, a payment on results service, which is it's pretty true. unheard of in the PR industry.
1: Yeah, a lot of PR agency people, they talk a good game and don't necessarily back that up. So for me, I think one of the core um, uh, almost values of mine is that if I can't genuinely help people, I don't deserve their money. And I have that approach for PR, but also hypnosis as well. So if, if someone was listening to this and they thought, you know, um, could you know, could I get them PR, realistically I've tried it you know a couple of times with like other you know people that I know in the in the therapy and coaching world and and in all honesty without sounding arrogant it's not really worth my while doing that because we work with big brands and things like Mm -hmm. that so I am creating a a course that kind of takes what I take for granted in terms of securing PR coverage so that you know in the future if there was a hypnotherapist or coach out there they could download that course and it's me taking about 20 hours worth of content and putting it into a very easy to to understand format sure. because that way it's kind of worth my while because i can do the work once and then other people can learn how to do it yeah. and not everyone wants pr not not everyone sees value in it because one of the key questions i get asked all the time is you know do you get loads of clients off the back of it and there's a weird kind of answer to it you do but in a roundabout way you know when i'm featured in national tv national radio people assume the phone's gonna be ringing off the hook and you're gonna get inquiry after inquiry. It doesn't really work that way. For me, what i found is that it definitely helps with my credibility. It definitely helps with how I'm perceived to be in terms of competency. It gives me great content that I can put on my website and social media channels. And when I get online coverage, they tend to link back to my website, which really helps with the SEO rankings. So for one of my brands, Phobia Guru, for example, I do no advertising whatsoever. But what I do is a combination of content and PR. And that means that because effectively each phobia is its own landing page, and if you have a particular phobia, you're going to search for a specific term, I get lots of traffic. And then I back up each um, page with a a 10-minute video where I explain a bit about that phobia. Um, And I find that a combination of SEO and PR, for me, I mean, my cost per acquisition per client is zero for Phobia Guru. It's absolutely nothing. So. So, so that, you know, in a roundabout way, it's, it's hugely, it's infinitely valuable. Um, but I think a lot of people have this kind of naive thinking when it comes to marketing, and that is that everything is designed to do exactly the same thing. So if you do PR or if you do a Facebook ad or if you do adverts in a local newspaper, all of that is designed to generate a client. And, and you know, for me, marketing is a set of tools, just like hypnosis. You know, you wouldn't use a swish pattern in the same way that you use regression, for example. You use the right tools for the right situation. And and I think that's partly why I don't work with therapists and coaches directly to, P, you know, for PR, because there's this expectation that, you know, one press release is going to go out. They're going to be on the front page of The Times and then get loads of clients. And it's a long game, you know. It's a it's a drip. Well, also, effect. I think
0: some people watching this that think, well, obviously you wouldn't want to work with uh, people in the same industry anyway because of the competition thing. But from my point of view, I know that, you know, yeah, if there was somebody who looked very similar to you, who was male and did similar things. That would potentially be a conflict. But there's no reason why you couldn't be, you know, advising someone who was female. Who did similar, or a man who was looked totally different, so would appeal to a different demographic? Because mm. from my experience, the media are very fickle. If they've got a certain marketplace, they want someone who fits that. What
1: were what, what your thoughts on that? Well, my my thoughts are is is kind of the opposite in a way, and and that is that I think that the, the tragedy with hypnotherapists is that you you have lots of highly competent hypnotherapists that aren't seeing enough clients. And 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 for me, you know, I think the whole industry would benefit from more competent hypnotherapists doing more effective marketing because then it elevates the whole industry. Um, And and I think, you know, good hypnotherapists that don't really understand about marketing, branding and PR, you know, have the in my experience, at least have this belief system that if they become a better therapist, they will simply get more clients. And that isn't the case. You know, you have to supplement the therapy skills with other business skills. And And weirdly, I would say, when I started out, I wasn't a particularly good therapist, because how can you be without experience? But I was a good marketer, I was a good you know good at branding and having you know lots of hypnotherapists are generalists, and i and I had three very specific specializations. And because of that, I had lots of clients, and because I've seen so much of clients, I'm going to get better simply by being out there and doing it. and And for me, I would encourage every hypnotherapist out there to kind of upskill not in their therapy skills but in their other areas you know really get good at sales marketing branding because you can be the best therapist in the world but if you don't have any clients you're not really helping anyone
0: i i i completely agree um i know one of the mental blocks that i've found other people i've spoken to certainly it's never got in my way because bending the truth for the sake of getting publicity um it's not something I've got any qualms about as anyone who's ever uh, researched my past career on magicalguru.com would know um and from what you said before you don't mind bending the truth a little bit by that I mean for example I was approached by the media in this years ago this was in the 90s and they said have you got any unusual phobia clients you've dealt with and I said yeah, I cured a woman's fear of traffic wardens. And I still, to this day, not sure how this happened. It, it, it really must have been a slow news week. But the next day on the front page, full front page of the Sun newspaper, and this was in the 90s, 96, when the Sun was the biggest red paper, plus a double page spread inside, so I had three pages of that paper, Fear of the Yellow Peril. Uh, was the headline, and um, overcoming a woman's fear of traffic wardens. It happened, I don't even know why that was newsworthy. That was pure fluke. But when they approached you and said about binge sets, they had something in their mind, clearly. You'd had a few clients, but the way that that media comes across, it does look as though this is something you've been a specialist in for years.
1: I, I, I get what you mean in terms of bending the truth, but for me I was very upfront and I said, Look, you know, in, in every interview, I said, Well, I haven't worked with many clients, but it does look like it's a rising trend. And and obviously with a PR background, I know that they're looking for sound bites. I know that, that they're looking for potential headlines. So for, for me, you know, you know, I, I consider a lot of things overlapping circles. There's kind of there's what I know and what I can do, and then there's a story that they're looking for. And then there's this little shaded area in between that kind of ticks both boxes. So I'm never going to lie to a journalist and and kind of pretend that something is the case simply to give them a story, because sooner or later, you're going to get found out about that. And then it does the very opposite rather than enhancing reputation. It's going to destroy your reputation. But if I can take, you know, I think the art of PR is taking truth and making it really interesting and, and engaging. So if I can find, you know, you know, for example, they were really interested in the fact that this um, 35 year old guy that i was working with he originally got into it through watching breaking bad and and through watching breaking Bad, then he went into kind of crime dramas and things like that and that made it a really interesting story for them and that was the truth you know that that's what he was interested in um but if i'd have just said you know generic information oh he just watches lots of tv well that doesn't really make it a story so so for me i would say for any therapist out there it's it's thinking of those really unusual, genuine clients the, there's something about it that's really interesting. And you don't have to kind of be an authority on a particular topic simply by having a case study that is willing to kind of share an experience that makes it quite an interesting, not news story, but feature story. So there's different ways in which you can kind of give journalists what they want. My advice to anyone out there that wants to kind of boost their profile, um, I would say, Find find the the interesting nuggets within what you already do, and then make it really easy for a journalist to turn that into a story. Um, and 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 not don't be afraid to kind of reach out to journalists. You know, drop them an email, follow them on Twitter. You know, reach out. And the other thing that I tend to do, which is quite useful, just as a tip that someone watching might find useful, is I I have certain Google News alerts for certain things. So of course I have my own name in there, but I'll have hypnosis and I'll I'll put um other hypnotherapists in there so i can see what other hypnotherapists are doing to get media coverage because i'm not i'm not going to copy what they do but i might be able to find the root of their strategy you know i mean that's that's no different from nlp modeling you know you want to find the structure of what works and then apply it in a different context and that works for pr as well so i think certain key things you know if you, if someone specializes in smoking cessation put things like tobacco you know smoking vaping as google news alerts and when a story breaks reach out to the journalists that have covered that and offer a different take from your particular perspective. And and the thing is, what people don't understand about PR is that it's just content. And if you can make that content helpful and interesting, then the audience and the journalists, they don't consider that a sales pitch. They consider it, it helpful for the overall thing, because there are lots of people struggling with all kinds of different issues. And I think as therapists, our responsibility is to overcome the key hurdle, which I believe is that people don't believe that change can happen as quickly as it can happen and if you can actually educate them that actually things can happen really really quickly and convince them with either real anecdotes or real stories then suddenly they start thinking oh, well, if it's possible for that person maybe it's possible for me and and why I think there's such a good crossover between PR sales and hypnotherapy sales is the industry of influence you've got to influence an individual PR is the industry of Perception management, you know, how much of hypnosis and NLP is changing a core belief that someone has that simply isn't useful anymore Well, that's also very similar to the industry of public relations. You're changing perceptions on a big scale So when I became a hypnotherapist, you know, I I studied about four and a half years ago um, and and I would say the other thing I've noticed about hypnotherapists that I studied with a lot of people were very hesitant to actually go out there and start working with clients. They always think that they need to do another course or have another qualification. So for me, you know because i've I've been reasonably successful in business, I've never been afraid to kind of go out there and actually do stuff, which has helped me. But what I found is that when I was working with clients one on one in a in a hypnosis point of view, the fact that I could elicit information from them in the same way that I could do that from a client if I'm taking a brief for a hip for a PR campaign. The skills are, are way more transferable than I think most people realize. And, and I think a lot of the time people will assume becoming a, a hypnotherapist is some brand new skill. Whereas in actual fact, if you've had conversations, you know, if you've had if you've helped people, if you've had a role where you communicated, those skills are just infinitely more transferable. than I think most people think they are.
0: I think you bang on the nail there. Yeah, uh, too, too many people out there teaching also purposely because they've got this vested interest of wanting to sell course after course, don't want people to realise how relevant certain things they may have already done in their life are, as you say. I guess I mean, I totally agree with you there. What would you... And let me tell you up front here, I am not trying to trick you into a corner where you admit to of do, doing something unethical. Well, there again, you see, the thing about ethics is everyone's perception of them is different anyway. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, but let's throw it out there. PR-wise, in my experience, 99% of so-called news stories in print media are bullshit. Uh, and the other 1% um, have grains of truth in, but are largely blown out of proportion, or distorted by journalists. Now, I know there are some little exceptions to that now and again, but generally speaking, that is how, why public relations firms exist. Um, and I'm not saying you're like Max Clifford, uh, but, I mean, everyone knows Max Clifford's stories were full of crap. Mm. And that his whole industry was, you, I've got this client, I'll let you, Mr. Newspaper, have this story if, for letting you have this story, you cover my new life coach or new hypnotist client in this positive manner with this angle i'll give you you can have this celebrity tv presenter story if you run with this one as well and they leverage things so television shows and i'll tell you where this is coming about i saw the other day on social media you were appealing for somebody with an addiction to box set tv who'd be willing to go on television to be cured live i asked you this question Why didn't you just coerce one of your previous clients into doing it? Now, I know know the obvious answer to that is, well, they're now cured. But I can tell you for certain that a certain famous television hypnotist, dare I mention their name? I will. Sod it, it's me who'd get sued. Paul McKenna has in the past taken someone that is cured at his live NLP event. And then when he's required somebody with that phobia to go on, let's take a random show, like the Ruby Wax show on BBC2, exactly that show, Um, has then re-hypnotised the person to reinstall the phobia briefly, which means it's guaranteed to be cured quicker on TV, but also meant he had somebody he knew he was going to be a million percent successful with, and someone who was up for it because they'd already stood up in front of a room full of, say, 800 people at a... NLP calls, or so going on TV, they were kind of already cool with. Without mentioning that person's name, so you're not in any legal hot bother. I'm quite happy to put my neck on the line there. How do you see that ethically? Why, Why didn't I you make it up? Do, yeah. You clearly wouldn't do that, otherwise you wouldn't have been advertising for
1: yeah. So in, in that particular case, a quite a high profile morning show saw all of this media coverage, reached out and they said, well, look, you know, we're interested in in having someone that that has um, this this particular condition. And, you know, for for, for me, um, immediately I thought, well, let, let's put a post out because someone might know someone that is really struggling with this kind of thing. Now, for for me, if I would have just let's say found a mate or a friend or something like that that was more than happy to just play along with it well it seems to me that your perception of this tv hypnotherapist that did this live tv thing um is diminished because the fact that you know that actually they had someone that was going to completely go along with whatever was being said well if that's your perception it might be other people's perceptions as well so for me found out i mean
0: most people wouldn't find out i just i have insider media contacts and again i mean there's a lot of famous name television therapists whether they come under hypnosis or life coaching who i can't one million percent sit here and say no they are dealing with people who don't really have that problem but if i as a curious individual who, who does do this can through a quick google search of the nature of this weird phobia find the individual who was on television that morning and apparently cured selling their story to a woman's magazine uh you know on a regular basis over the period of the past eight years that pretty much tells me this is somebody who's in it to get media attention and make some money and then being cured that morning is going to be the easiest thing on the planet because they've never had the bloody problem in the first place
1: Mm, and and I think there is a little bit of gamesmanship that takes place with the media, and 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 the thing is, I mean, you know, firsthand, controversy is one of those things that can make a story more interesting, um, and and I think the other thing is that, at some level, the moment someone's willing to go on TV. There's a similar dynamic to stage hypnosis in the sense that there is a certain expectation as to what's going to happen. And I've I've seen, I mean, you know, whether it's Richard Bandler kind of fearing, you know, curing Michael Van Stratton or Michael Stratton's whatever his name, that American host snake on, on air and right. things like that. You know, there, there are there are lots of of things where effectively the law of expectancy is a change is going to take place. And the moment the cameras are on you, there is an element of disassociation and people are going to be in a in a deeper level of trance and they're literally going to go on with it. Whether or not that change sticks, you know, three months later, well, the cameras aren't on them at that point. So it's it's kind of mission accomplished. For for me, I would always rather be, you know, that you know, outside of getting results for clients, one of my key things is congruency. And I think um, there's a lot of therapists out there that are very talented unfortunately there's a lot of therapists out there that don't really walk their talk so for me you know part of the reason why i specialize in phobias is because i had a high level of anxiety i i had genuine phobias myself and I had to work on that as an individual um for me there, there's certain key people in my life that are they've got certain addictions that they're not they don't want help they don't want change so for me if i can take that frustration and kind of steer it in the direction of someone that they do want change but they don't know what to do and they are looking for external help then for me it's about it's about walking walking the talk and i think anyone can fake stuff it's so easy to kind of fake stuff but partly when you when you kind of are willing to kind of have that standard of well yeah i could i could fake it but actually i want to do it for real well then that kind of reputation gets around as well and i think you know overall the the profession of particularly hypnotherapy um but but any kind of change work needs people that you know how they are when they're on camera or how they are when they're in the media are exactly how they are when they're with a client one-on-one working with them and i think overall that's good for the industry and it's good for that individual because then people seek that kind of therapist out
0: yeah yeah maybe one day we will live in that world sadly we currently don't um i won't mention names there but there there is a large number of media therapists who um the only reason why they would be able to duplicate what they do on television with clients on the street is because they've got this perceived credibility Mm -hmm. that's been built up by being seen on television in the media and that itself is what does the hypnosis if you like well, we, totally.
1: In, in in a way that's priming, isn't it? And and I don't I don't see any any qualms with that at all. You know, if I'm doing a workshop, I'll let people know the kind of people that I've worked with and that I'm featured in the media because effectively it increases the belief in my competency, which then makes me a better therapist. And I think I think all therapists should use any trick in the book if it helps them to become better better therapists. You know, I think you know if if it helps That you wear a white coat if it helps that you've got a doctor in front of your name if it helps any of these kind of things then why not because effectively we're in the industry of shifting beliefs and and at some level that law of expectancy and and all these kind of principles like compliance and, and all this kind of stuff well for me they're all tools that can help cultivate a change and if we can use these tools in the right way you know if if i mean i don't have certificates on the side of my wall but you know there has been research that if if in the waiting area you see the qualifications of the therapist, then effectively it gives you greater confidence in their ability to create a change and therefore greater change takes place. Any of these tricks, I think if they work and, and, and they, they serve the client that you're, you're working with, why the hell not? You know, it's a, it's a good tool.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, ultimately, at the end of that film is it Leap of Faith with Steve Martin, where he's playing a mm. uh, fraudulent evangelical preacher. Are there any others? Um, but he gets confronted by the police officer and the police officer guy said, look, no one else around, not going to arrest you. Is what you do real or not? And he says, I think the line is, maybe it is, maybe it isn't, but what's it matter just so long as the job gets done? Mm. And I do agree that if a client's paying for the result of coming to you or another therapist, uh, they're addicted to box set TV, you go through whatever ritualistic, important seeming process, and they leave, and that no longer bothers them like it once did in the past. Then, does it really matter how you got them to that point? Because that they got what they paid for, yeah.
1: I, I'm, a part of me really agrees with that. That kind of, in, in, you know, because I'm so obsessed with getting results. But I think, I think where where it becomes a slippery slope is if you say, well, you know, the you know the end justifies the means well then at what point do you you know take any kind of pride in what you do you know I think I think there's a there's a fine line and I think that's that's really what integrity is it's kind of it's being willing to get the result but not sacrifice you know any of the shortcuts that that could do that because yeah you could you could just kind of you know. be lazy with it you know a, a, a hypnotherapist that i worked with very early on in my career i was kind of still a student and i was fortunate enough to kind of do work experience and and yeah. what i'd learned you know some of these nlp techniques to be i i saw him do it and it wasn't quite right and at the end of the session i said it was interesting how you how you did that particular approach because you know that's not really how it's taught and and he what he said was really powerful and really interesting he said look you know if if people believe in my ability to create a change then it doesn't have to be done perfectly they just have to feel like something is is happening you know he said something like you know if if someone 100% believes that you've got magic dust and if you sprinkle on it they're going to create a change then a change will take place mm-hmm. and 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 i and i and i genuinely believe that has a lot of a lot of power but i also believe that there is certain things that are going to be more effective than than other things and and yeah for me so long as you get the result and do whatever you can to help achieve that result then that's a good thing but I think you know having you know fake testimonials for example or, or certain things that you know it could achieve the job but equally why not just go out there and get real clients you know sharing their experiences and I think you know that that's the kind of thing that you know it, it certainly helps if you do it properly not to say you know i remember one example um there were i did a, a clown phobia workshop once when the first thing of it came out
0: minot memory piles <laughs> oh, brilliant
1: you're ahead of me Yeah. So coulrophobia and uh, and and, uh, and and what was annoying cuz this documentary this little film never actually got released in the end and and i invested a lot quite a bit of time in it but he said you know can you find any any coulrophobics that is actually willing to do it and And I couldn't. you know, it was really hard to do it. So I, I just put an advert in one of these casting um sites, like backstage or start th- that kind of thing. And I, and I literally and I said,, Look, does anyone here, you know, want to be, you know you'll get the footage. You'll get you know, I'll pay you for your time, but you have to have a genuine phobia of this kind of stuff. and 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 I found someone, but possibly they were willing to kind of go along with it more than,
0: Excellent. I'm so I'm so glad you brought that up because you're ahead of me and it wasn't about clown phobias. I was going to bring it up, but it was going to be more of an extension on the Essex thing. But there's plausible deniability there, if we look at it that way, because mm. from gen- you, you must have, you've clearly stated, must have a gen- But, and I've seen this a lot with television hypnotists, therapists, life coaches, call them what you will they do a lot of these shows the tv researchers i'm not saying it's the therapist that does it so i'm giving clause about deniability there i'm also giving myself a legal protection against defamation <laughs> uh but adverts do go on things like star now a lot and it's amazing how many of these people with issues end up having been found through sites where the people on there have at least a desire for attention Or I've got a background in amateur dramatics or stuff. Um, What I'm blatantly saying is that, yes, they could just be blatantly lying to you because they want to be on TV, get a nice hotel for the night, uh, which they tend to do. And the hundred, well, actually, it's gone up last time this morning, um, got me to get somebody there. You know, a totally unknown person was getting at least 250 quid out of pocket expenses, as well as a trip trip. And a nice hotel and all this and something to stick on their CV. And it does happen a lot. Well, I mean, yeah. where do you see the ethics in that? Because deep down, you must know the chances are that person that replied probably didn't really have that issue to the... Can I've always said, anyone with a true phobia would not willingly put themselves on television or a live radio show called without any previous treatment to calm them down just the thought of knowing that in that context they must know as an adult that they're going to get confronted with that which bothered them
1: i i, I mean i i agree and I, and i think but that that's no that's no different from tony robbins doing an intervention like live in front of 5000 people you know it, it's the same premise and that is that you know you're all eyes are on you you get to be the star of the show you know, and uh, but that's no different from stage hypnotism. You know, it, oh, the, I totally it's, agree. It's, it's a very similar, similar premise. But I, I think overall, the media game is that they need content. They need interesting things. And what makes therapy, whether it's on TV or on a stage, interesting is this archetype of, of the magician. It's kind of like you want to see a rapid change um, and and that rapid change. You know the person that's the participant in that they know that if they go in and nothing much happens, then that's kind of well they kind of feel like well that, that was a bit a bit of a kind of a damp squib. The producer probably annoyed that they've kind of paid these expenses out. The therapist looks like a bit of an idiot, so overall, you know take out hypnosis, you know there is other yeah, principles and here complaints
0: Can you remember a time in the past? I can prior to sort of the 90s, I can, but once we hit the early 90s, where television, on a worldwide basis, became more run. They were more run by accountants than uh, what I would call show business entertainment people. And when it became run by accountants, where they've got to get the water cooler moment, people talking, and that means then more people are watched. They can charge more for the advertising space and the adverts and all that then you've got your researchers who quite often possibly without the therapist's knowledge are getting in glorified actors through these sites to pretend to have phobias and issues and the therapist may very well genuinely believe that person because the the, the producer and the uh, researchers are saying we've checked out their background and they've had this problem for years um, so I'm not, blaming, I'm not blaming the therapist, but, you know, the law of averages said if you weren't just getting attention-seeking fuckwits, as I call them, <laughs> affectionately, who want to, the five minutes of fame on TV and then also know nine times out of ten they can get another couple of hundred quid for the Chat magazine article after they've been on the morning show, that they wouldn't agree to go on because they know they'd be confronted by the thing.
1: Mm. Um, i I think if it's a phobia it's different but also you get lots of different issues i think the reason why like phobia things on air are are quite popular is because you you have you see the before and after very very quickly um whereas if you had someone on that has four stone worth of weight to lose you know from an audience perspective well you're going to have to remember that original show four months ago to then see the transformation and i think that's why
0: i am not saying that it's impossible to make those changes as quick as they appear to be on TV. In fact, from experience, I'm Adam will assure you, I'm assuring you and I'm not sure a lot of you watching know that you can get, get somebody in your office and sometimes in a matter of literally just a couple of minutes have them queue Quite often it can be more like half an hour or an hour. But rapid change can definitely take place. All I'm saying is, yeah, once it's taken place, many of these people will be so over the moon that they probably quite happily go on TV to sing your praises. But before they are cured, Mm. I don't believe that people with a true megaphobia like it comes across on TV often um, would actually volunteer to be on TV if it was really that much of an issue because they know they're going to be confronted with it.
1: I don't know because, I mean, you could use that same argument for people that come to my spider workshops and there's consistently, you know, 20 people about once a month, they turn up, And they know they're going to be confronted with a massive tarantula and a house spider, but they do it and they do it because they've they've had this. This thing is really affecting their life and they have a combination of a degree of confidence in the ability that it will happen, probably because they've seen other testimonials of people go through exactly what they're going through, but also hope they've got this kind of this desperate hope that there is a future out there for them where this fear doesn't exist because mm-hmm. if if it was simply the, the the belief that if they're going to be confronted that they'd never do it well any kind of immersive experience would would prohibit i mean that would be the worst business model in the world but I, but i think it's because at some level people are realizing that that change can happen and it can happen relatively quick and actually rather than it being a negative part of the therapy for me i look at the immersive part of any therapy as the nail in the coffin of the phobia because it creates a belief shift mm-hmm. if you the convincer strategy effectively is that if you do the thing that you didn't think that you could do just 10 minutes ago and you're actually doing it well then that phobia can't still exist and and at that point you know i find that if i do phobia work with and without a convincer the the, the convincer well they don't come back again whereas if someone has a fear of sharks and you do great therapy in the room, they leave thinking, well, I don't know if this has worked or not. But in Harley Street, if I work with someone with a fear of birds, um, literally straight after the session, we're walking down to Cavendish Square, a fuck ton of pigeons there, and, and you can see it in their face, they're, they're this far away from a pigeon, and and they're like, how the, how the fuck am I doing this? How am I so close when I've had this for so long? And that, for me, is more important than the therapy itself. The therapy is just getting to, to that point where they do that very thing because then it's like well something must have changed and then in terms of whether you believe in timeline therapy or not from that point onwards that now is a reference point that they are over their fear it's kind of like a line in the sand so from that point of view i do think immersive therapy is right and i, I genuinely do think that some people would be willing to be on tv because their their thought process is well the the therapist that's on tv must be highly competent otherwise they wouldn't be on tv and yeah. therefore maybe this is the you know the light at the end of the tunnel for this kind of anxiety-creating state that they've been in. So you're right, there's going to be some people that are using it to raise their own profile, but you could say that about every contestant on a dating show, you know, at some yeah. level. It's kind on of like they, 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 they get the game. They mm. get the game. They, they know that, yeah, you know, if someone's on X Factor, if someone's on Love Island, yeah, there, there might be a, lot, a slight motive that they want to do certain things, but the bigger motive is that, for that moment, they get their 15 minutes of fame.
0: So let's work briefly look at the negatives of me. Obviously, the positives are quite, obviously, you mentioned before, you get more website traffic, uh, ultimately can lead to more clients, product sales, if you're into that thing. What What about, what, what would you say to people regards the warnings uh, of the negative side of publicity? By that, I mean even if the story is one that's positive and makes you look good in helping people, uh, there are people that walk this planet that, you know, will, when you, that's why celebrities quite often start drinking in different places. Cause if they go down the local pub, they used to, they'll, yeah, they'll have the core friends that'd be fine with them. But then other people will go, Oh, you flipping think you're something special. And it, you know, people, jealousy of people in the media. What advice would you give people who, might be
1: going down the yeah well, yeah in in terms of getting too high profile you know and I, and I think there is an element in the uk particularly of that tall poppy syndrome where if someone gets you know you know too high profile they want to knock them down to size and i do think that's that's an unfortunate genuine part of of kind of british society in a way but i think for the average therapist out there that is going to be featured in the media well the reality is you know you are adding an element to a particular story for a particular point in time it's, you know, you're not going to get Prince Harry, Meghan Markle kind of fame, It's it, you know it's not that the paparazzi are going to be hunting you down it's not that people are going to be sneering at you thinking, you know, who the fuck are you you know, being in the media all the time because it's, it's you know, within hypnosis and, and, and kind of you know, psychology, mentalism I mean, who's in that kind of bracket What Paul McKenna, Darren Brown you know, very few people are in there, and if Richard Bandler was to walk down the street, nobody would. Why no, do you, think, would...
0: why do you think there's only a few in that bracket? I mean, I know, I know, I actually know why that is—not just an opinion. I know mm-hmm. because from behind the scenes, I like your.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's, only a very few. I, I I think it's it's for for, for me, you know, and I, I'll be interesting to hear your thoughts on it. But for me, I think it's the it's the nature and and still the influence of. Prime time and mainstream TV. I think if you've got you know because there are there are people with huge views on on YouTube and Facebook, but I think you get huge elevated um, Positioning and status and effectively you hit the celebrity bit Once you have a TV show that's kind of been on there for for a while And obviously Paul McKenna was very fortunate to do that in the 90s -hmm. Darren Brown with his kind of Channel 4 shows So I think when you hit that element then effectively you get accepted at that celebrity status rather than just, you know, highly competent kind of uh, specialist status And the thing is, you know in the brand positioning ladder in our minds There isn't that much room for like 10 different celebrity hypnotists, you know, for example You tend to have, you know, one or two and then you and then you pretty much forget and and I remember seeing a stage hypnotist when I was like 13 or 14 and a few years later my mum categorically told me that I'd seen Paul McKenna and I knew for, for certain it wasn't. But in her head, that's the name linked to a stage hypnotist. And, and I think that's why it's that there isn't that much room in people's minds to kind of link names to kind of hypnotists. So effectively, you've got Darren Brown as a mentalist and you've got Paul McKenna as a, as a hypnotist. And outside of that, well, those spots have been taken really. Um, and for people in the industry, they know that, yeah, there, there's... But potentially more competent people in those areas but those little slots have kind of been filled but I'd be curious to hear your take on it
0: yeah well I mean largely it's the old boys club uh, the, television at a certain level especially with PR companies and uh, casting companies entering a certain circle if you're not in that circle forget it um, it's very much like a, a glorified version of the Masons there's that element. There's the element. My context here is that there are dozens upon dozens of television celebrity chefs, OK? Mm-hmm. And people know Jamie Oliver, but equally they also know Gordon Ramsay. Um, and what they do is they all cook. Now, I know there are sub-niches. You've got uh, your seafood chef, and I've just had a mental block on, on him, and I won't <laughs> mind because I watch him regularly with my wife. Rick Stein. Rick Stein, Yeah. Okay, so you think Rick Stein, generally speaking, you think seafood stuff. Um, you think Jamie Oliver and you think it's all very rustic, thrown-togethery type food. So there are sub-niches, I get that, but ultimately they all cook food. Mm. In the same way as ultimately uh, your Paul McKenna, your um, your Speakman's on This Morning, um, uh, and what not? Cure people's phobias or help them overcome habits, addictions, or whatever. So, why aren't there more? Uh, And this is not personally pointing the finger at anyone in particular, but I think because people in the self help hypnosis, even if it's entertainment industries, largely speaking, want if they get to a certain level of success, they will do everything they can beyond. I'm not saying celebrity chefs won't, like, try and protect their field, but hypnotists, therapists are so psychologically screwed up, the majority of them, and insecure, that when they do get some success, they will go to the most extraordinary means or, but they'll deflect it more than likely through their publicist doing certain things to ensure that nobody else can, uh, take that kind of slot unless they've got extraordinary large amounts of money to be paying sort of 15 grand a month plus that up front for at least six to 12 months to a pr company to even get a foot in the door properly is my not just opinion but actual cold hard experience max clifford once said to me if i paid him back then it was 10 grand 10 grand plus VAT, and that's when that was 15%. For a minimum of six months, paid up front, that he guaranteed that by the end of that six months, I would have a television series, point one. Mm. Point two, if I then continued paying him for at least three years, he guaranteed I would be a cash millionaire by the end of it. Mm. And I know for a fact he's done that for numerous people. But it's that position back then in the early 90s. Where was I suddenly going to find uh, the initial 70, 80 grand? I wasn't. I didn't. Mm. But if you've got the money, that's how you, in the, in, in, in the particular hypnosis uh, and certain show busy niches, unless you're lucky enough to win a competition. Uh, that's my experience of it.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm not sure if I agree with that because I think. I think a a a lot of, a lot of people think that there's more barriers. I thought there'd be more barriers when I became a a qualified hypnotherapist. I thought it would take years and years to kind of grow a practice and be able to get PR coverage because I thought all the slots would be filled. Don't get
0: me wrong. Um, PR coverage is the easiest thing on the planet. mm. If you come up, the more ridiculous a story you come up with, um. What's the most ridiculous thing? I look around my office room now and, uh, right, I've got a stuffed toy uh, there on the notice board holding a banana that my daughter gave me. So bananas. Someone who's got a phobia of tripping on banana skins in public. Uh, They're fine eating a banana for this story that we're making up, but they're scared of potentially tripping on a banana skin and yes they do admit that it's probably more about looking daft in public so Mm. we can create this scenario that sounds feasible but the idea of somebody's life having potentially been ruined because they're always looking for banana skins is something if you were to get I, i would guess a nice looking young female of legal age but young looking that was to dress in a manner that your tabloid son or daily star reporter would love the fact they were showing a little tiny bit of cleavage but not too obviously um yeah you, you, you'll be in the newspapers before the end of this week with that story mm. somebody bothered to get somebody to front it and yes i am categorically saying <laughs> i
1: i also think though but in in, in terms of like the the, the, but, the but, but but in terms point of, is i
0: defy you two i defy you i guarantee you could not get yourself a contract to appear every week or once every fortnight twice a month uh for a guaranteed 12 month period on certain morning television shows because they've already got somebody contracted to it
1: yeah i mean they, they, they yeah they're gonna they're gonna have like regular regular kind of guests so you know in the same way the you know um each tv show tends to have it used to be dr hillary jones on on certain t things or you know whoever it might be yeah so so you're gonna have like go to um you know kind of experts that are on the are on the books so yeah there's, there's gonna be certain things that are kind of um slots that are taken but at the same time i also think there is this psychological principle of people not having that much time to kind of relate experts i mean the last mainstream hypnosis show in the uk was probably back in the room and i'll be honest with you i have no idea what what hypnotists fronted that i've got no idea in that that ran for two series that's on... bloody
0: fortunate for him then because <laughs> that is without doubt the biggest abysmal piece of shit that's it's ever true, been yes. on tv a game show where the premise is hypnotized people at the end I give them suggestions by the hypnotist that certain things will occur and all certain things are to stop them being able to move these balls from one side of the area to the other and they need to get a certain amount of balls to win money. It's fundamentally screwed up because if, the, if, if hypnosis exists, stage hypnosis, then the, and the people weren't just attention-seeking footwits found off Star Now, which they all were because I did a blog at it and exposed every single one of the contestants practically. Um, If they were genuinely hypnotised, when they were told that every time the hypnotist who incidentally was called Keith Barry coughed, they got an electric shock, they would believe it, do it, and their reaction would be that, that I get on stage when I do it to people, that they would drop all the bloody balls. Mm. But no, they kept hold of some of them because they know it's worth money. We're going to make it look believable because of my planned future acting career where this will be a credit, (laughs) but I also want some money.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no it's 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 tricky but I, th- I think one of the, one of the problems with with kind of TV hypnosis is that you know it it's there's a lack of original formats out there um with with the kind of people that you know and and you know I I listened to a podcast where Darren Brown was talking about you know after his first two um C se- series that he did or shows that he did on Channel 4 he was still working as a as a you know a close up magician like a hundred pound an evening because although he was on tv that hadn't converted into kind of like well-paid corporate work at that point so so there is this kind of overall perception that the moment you're on tv you've you've made it but actually that is a part of building a brand and you know paul mckenna has done very well because effectively i think he's something like the the best-selling non-fiction author in the uk and and that's because his brand is that he he can cultivate change um, And I think that once you have that brand well, then he's been highly effective at monetizing that brand um, But but you're right, you know There's going to be barriers to entry in any kind of thing that gives you that element of status and, and positioning and and for me You know, I, I think what I like about my background in PR and my interest in hypnosis is that you know, I'm, I'm kind of aware of the landscape to some extent and 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 you have to make it you know a win for everyone it's got to be a win for the audience it's got to be a win for the producers it's got to be a win for yourself um and and it, you're right it's relatively easy to get coverage but getting coverage for the sake of coverage makes yourself look like an attention seeking fuckwit rather than you know being strategic with the kind of coverage that you're that you're getting and and i think you know that when you see people that are on you know kind of big brother and love island that's how they come across It's kind of they've got no discernible talent they just want to be famous for the sake of being famous and i think
0: to sell. i mean at least with mm. a therapist if you've already got a phobia relevant product for example i know that you've got the uh, home study seven day phobia cure package so whatever phobia it's still a phobia and that product will be relevant mm. people may find your website if you're in the media so as long as you've got a relevant product um, it could lead to making you monetary conversion. Totally. The more yeah. media you get, the more you'll build up a um, a kind of, even if it's only on a local level, more likely they're going to come to you again, the media, because you're regularly getting seen. Mm. Um, I mean, you've got a major advantage because you came from knowing these things from the PR. mm what if you had to sum it up in a sentence to you average therapist who's got these skills that can really help people change their lives positively for the better who maybe has written a book who has um booked together some wonderful thing that they've they've tested it out on people they sold a few from the website you know they sold a few dozen but they'd like to be able to get PR to take that into the hundreds and the thousands of sales and of helping people I know some of them will have mental blocks, thinking, "Well, I am not Paul McKenna. I am mm. not, um, you know, Darren Brown. I am not Adam Cox, who's been there, done it." With what would you say to them to give them the kick up the arse, or perhaps the inner confidence that, you know, everyone was, nobody at some point.
1: Yeah, and and I would I would use my own my own kind of story about this. You know the. I I knew how to do it for massive brands. I mean, I've I've got PR coverage for Microsoft and IBM and massive pharma companies and Ben and Jerry's and that kind of stuff. So, you know, but when I started doing it for myself, it it felt different because I'm like, well, I'm not a brand. Why would they be interested in me? Um, And to begin with, I just thought of something topical. So the first press release I sent out was a couple of weeks before Christmas. And I just put weight loss hypnotherapist, uh, Adam Cox gives five top tips of how to cope with the festive season without piling on the pounds. Knowing that, there's a few magazines out there that might want that kind of content. Yeah. And the reality is, I didn't have a brand at that point. Nobody knew who I was. It was just kind of getting it out there. And I got two bits of shit coverage. I was in Wellbeing News, and I was in the Bron- Bromsgrove Gazette or something like that. Mm-hmm. But what I did is I then clipped that coverage, and then I had a little press section, and then I I, I just kind of put it there. And then I got a little bit more bits of shit coverage and put it there. And then what happens over time is that journalists, they want to have a safe pair of hands. They don't want someone that, you know, could be reckless and and not know the game. So now if a journalist goes to my website and they see that I've been on Victoria Derbyshire, if I've been on Jeremy Vine, if I've been on Sky News, they like, well, this guy knows what's what, you know, but that didn't happen overnight. To begin with, I just had to get regional press and and like you know very community radio and things like that and i would say to get the ball rolling reach out to your community radio station and and just say you know you specialize in this area and you just want to talk about the number of people in that area that have that problem and how hypnosis can help and that one bit of coverage starts the ball rolling you know you don't go from zero to being front page of the sun or kind of you know, a, a big full page in The Telegraph, you, you get the ball rolling. And I'm a big fan of momentum. And I think once you get going, you know that not every media interview is going to be like Humphreys or Paxman trying to trip you up and catch you out. You know, you realize that a lot of the time they just they just want something interesting. They want a catchy soundbite. And once you know that game, you feel more confident. And, and And I'll be honest, the first kind of radio interview I did, I was nervous about it. And now it's kind of like having done so many radio interviews, I could be I could do a radio interview at one minute's notice and I'd be completely fine because the more it's like you know being a practicing hypnotherapist the more you do it the more confident you get and then you don't need the same level of preparation as you did when you first started so just start is, is what I would say and start small but don't dis, be dismissive of that small bit of coverage because it all it all helps
0: if of course relating back to what you said earlier and that is only if you as an individual don't feel you have to go out there and get media because there are people who just who never get in the media during the career and who who are doing incredibly well through word of mouth or through other conventional
1: yeah it's true i I, I would i would echo that sentiment you know for, for me the reason why i use seo and pr as my main marketing strategy is is because i'm not very good on social media and and if you're if you're great on instagram you know if you're amazingly good looking then instagram you know use that if if you if you come from an analytical background and you you're really hot on digital marketing and you know everything about facebook algorithms and you know boosting posts then maybe digital marketing is the way but i would say that you do need something because otherwise, you know, for, for me, there's so many hypnotherapists that I studied with that aren't practicing hypnotherapists because they couldn't make the numbers work. They, they, they couldn't make it so that it was worth them continuing to, to do that. And, and I would say that that's the real tragedy is where you've got competent, you know, good therapists that can genuinely help people. But they're not not because they're a bad therapist, but because they just didn't find a way a strategy of acquiring good quality clients to make the whole the whole thing profitable and 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 that for me if, if someone was to leave this interview with one thought it's kind of find some form of marketing that is going to get you clients in a cost-effective way because then you then you're staying in the game and the longer you stay in the game the more that you will build that word of mouth and, and that reputation and 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 you know create clients from that but it doesn't happen overnight you've got to find a way that works for you
0: Excellent piece of advice, and I think that's something that the, I mean, this isn't likely to be watched by the general public anyway. Um, but I think the general public, yes, they do listen to word of mouth, but which is great because results are uh, what count. But marketing news, right, whether it's PR, digital marketing, can which is why people do it convince them of something that may not always be true. Um and, yeah, if they were to look at things like, as this therapist been around for ages? They might be completely unknown, but if they've been around for ages and they're not obviously, like, you know, doing it part-time, they must be pretty good at what they do because otherwise they wouldn't have stayed in business. There's that element as well. Um, what can I say? I've learned... A fair bit during this past hour i'm sure that people who've had no media background will have done i hope you don't feel that I, i've chucked in any kind of trying to be too tricky questions there no, i absolve a- full responsibility for any suggestions of people who may or may not exist in reality on tv shows doing things or not in reality i take full legal responsibility for that um I particularly like the fact that, and it's true, it's quite logical that Adam wouldn't have worked, his PR company wouldn't be working or work with these big brands if he didn't have a certain code of ethical conduct and way of doing things. So uh, it doesn't surprise me that you've carried that over into the therapy arena as well. And it's nice and refreshing to actually see somebody getting media coverage, who when they're offered tv stuff like that hasn't just gone well i'll just pull me mate in to run that tv show it's refreshing to see somebody actually doing it legitimately and honestly it is perhaps the the way to put it so uh, thank you very much indeed for your time please can you tell everybody what your websites are so they can come and check you out because you know therapists out there you might be thinking you need to go and keep an eye on um, Adam's websites because although we're recording this on the 13th of January, it's not going to go out until February. Uh, and it's then going to be exist in the wonderful world of the internet. So you might be seeing this in years to come or months to come when Adam's home study PR course is out there and ready and available. And if it's not, keep checking back on his website because I know for certain that when he releases it, I'm going to get it to look at. Because somebody who's worked with brands as big as uh, the Relations Group have has got to have knowledge that I currently don't have, that you currently don't have, that if it can help those big brands, can definitely help the likes of you and me to get more clients and business. So tell people where they should be looking at them.
1: Yeah. So if anyone's interested in what I do with phobias, it's phobia.guru.com. Um, I have a a weight loss brand called hypnoslimming.com. My brand for addiction, so there's lots of examples of PR coverage on these websites, is addictionexperts.co.uk. And um, a site that I'm building at the moment, which is my own personal brand, um, is adamcox.co.uk. And also look for me on Facebook, which is just Adam Cox.
0: And I'll put these links below the video. So if you've seen this on YouTube or Vimeo below, will be active hyperlinks to click on. So you can follow Adam and as soon as it's out, grab that home study course as well. Thank you very much indeed for your time, Adam. It's been an absolute pleasure.